Today on the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast, I'm going to be discussing the re-release of Avengers Endgame that is now in theaters, and whether it's worth paying good money to go see it right after this. Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. My name is Matthew Carroll, and I just went to a late night showing of Avengers Endgame with the new content. Uh, and I just, you know, this is definitely applicable to this podcast, so I wanted to do, drop a quick solo cast to tell you guys about, uh, you know, what was in there, if you want to know. Uh, first off, the question, I'll, I'll, I'll keep spoiler free for a minute in case you want to be surprised. Um, I think it's worth it going to see it, but not so much for the content at the end. I think it is, it's worth going to see because man, that's a good movie. Uh, watching it again, I picked up on new nuances. I think the first few times I've seen it, um, the theater was so full of people and so full of laughter and everything that kind of some of the things that I noticed this time just were deeper and I, I, I picked up lines I'd missed in the past because of la- good laugh lines before them, things like that. It's re- really, really great to see it again. So I definitely, uh, if, if you got the means and you can go, go check it out again, it's definitely worth it. Uh, but whether these posts, uh, th- th- these additional scenes make it worth it, that's another question. Before the movie starts, Anthony Russo comes on and says, please stick around after the feature, da da da. The movie begins. The three hours play out like normal. After the credits, the first thing we get is a dedication, a um, sort of a commemoration of Stan Lee's life and his uh, connection to these movies. They have a bunch of clips of him filming his various cameos, kind of on-set photos and videos of him filming all of his iconic cameos, and that was very touching. Um, Definitely worth a watch. Uh, but there's so many things about that online already. I don't know that it was, if, if you're not already feeling like going to see this movie, probably not worth the $14 or whatever to go see it. Um, then Anthony Russo comes back on and says, um, that they have, and we shot more than three hours. There's even, yes, that's right. There's more than three hours of this movie. Uh, and here's one of the deleted scenes that we loved, but couldn't fit into the overall movie. And then there's about a 30 second scene, uh, which I'll describe in detail in a minute when I get into spoilers. But, uh, yeah, it's 30 seconds. It's really not much. I did not realize it was only going to be one scene. I kind of didn't want to be spoiled on what was there, so I didn't read any of the articles. Um, so it's one scene. It's 30 seconds that uh, has a nice um, cameo in it. It just it, it just did not feel... Uh, I would not say that scene makes it worth going to see again. <laughs> I'll say that. Um, and then... They show a scene from Spider-Man Far From Home, which I'm assuming we will see in a couple days anyway. So if you're already sold on Far From Home, it, it kind of felt like a commercial for Far From Home, honestly, more than anything. Um, they they show an actual scene from the movie, um, which I'm sure will be circulating online or something soon. And uh, that is what is there. Uh, and so, yeah. If you want to see that, go for it. If you've got something like an AMC Movie Pass or uh, or a Movie Pass or an AMC A list or whatever, I would. If you don't feel like investing the full three hours, 
you can absolutely uh, scan your card or whatever and just go and watch what's after the credits. Um, just go for the last 30 minutes. Who doesn't want to see the last 30 minutes of that movie again? Anyway, it was a blast. Even on the fourth watch, I think it is now, it was a blast. That final battle sequence is just amazing. So that's my overall take. Uh, let's break the scenes down a little bit. Uh, there's really not too much, um, like I said, but the, the the spoiler alert in case you want to see it in theaters. Um, the scene that we get is a Hulk scene. I'm assuming this would have occurred before the diner scene with Hulk. This is his like um, introduction into the movie. It seemed like I, I would. It just seemed like that's what what they're going for. Uh, and it sh- it's it's it shows a burning building, uh, very reminiscent of Die Hard, <laughs> uh, which is very blatantly referenced in a second. Um, and they, they you know they mentioned Die Hard in the movie when Scott Lang is talking about time travel movies, and he goes, "Oh nope, that's not one." Um, so this is clearly, I think, intentional. The Hulk. Uh, well, there are some people in the building. Uh, that is on fire at the top of this burning building. And then suddenly you see, uh, you hear a noise and then from the building, uh, a, a satellite dish flies down and it's Hulk carrying a satellite dish. And then he lands and goes, ding, 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 elevator gets off here. And he puts down the people. And it's it's Hulk holding a big satellite dish with like seven or eight people on top of it, uh, which probably would have broken all of their spines. But I guess we could say he tried to use his knees or something. I don't know. He's the Hulk. He has super ability to protect people, I guess. But... Uh, yeah, it's just the Hulk saving some people in a fire. And then the funny and kind of cute thing that they do is he walks over to the police chief and it is played by Reginald Vell Johnson, who, um, if, if those of you who don't know him, he is, he played Carl Winslow on Family Matters. Uh, but he also played the cop in Die Hard. So it's very much a Die Hard reference. Um, and, and I guess, the Hulk is playing the um, John McClane of this event. <laughs> He's up there saving people. So that was kind. Of, it was it was a funny, funny joke, funny reference. But I'm I'm glad it wasn't in the movie overall. I think it would have taken me out. That's a weird Die Hard, especially if they left in the other Die Hard reference. I was like, why two Die Hard reference? I get having two Back to the Future references, but why two Die Hard references in this movie? Um, so that was, uh, that's the scene. Uh, and then the Hulk being smart Hulk, uh, comes over and says to the, um, he's either a police officer or a fireman. I'm not totally sure to be honest. Uh, but he tells him, he tells Reginald Vell Johnson to, uh, I'm just going to call him Carl Winslow. That's how I, that's how I know him. <laughs> but, uh, he plays, he tells Carl Winslow to, um, use a certain kind of firefighting technique on the building. He's like, he comes down and he says how, how hot it is in there. And so many Kelvin, you need to use this and this, and it'll put the fire out. And he's like, I don't want to tell him, tell you your business, but here's how you should take that fire out. It's just an example of how having scientists, uh, banner and super Hulk, 
uh, in the same body at the same time is a useful superhero. And he's just the superhero of the time, uh, which makes me, I really would love to see a Hulk movie uh, going forward. Um, really, really fun. It was fun to see him in action for sure, but uh, it's so short. And, and the, oh, by the way, the, they said that the animation was unfinished. So, you know, I, no, no fault to them. I understand it's unfinished, but if you're going to re-release the movie, Maybe you spend the money to finish the effects. I don't know. That's how I feel about it. Uh, if, if, if you're going to re-release it and try to tell everyone, hey, go see this movie again for a 30-second scene, you could probably finish that 30-second scene. Instead, it's a cart. It's basically a cartoon Hulk. It's like Saturday morning cartoon-style Hulk carrying that um, satellite dish or whatever. And his mouth doesn't move when he, when he talks because it's all temporary effects. I get it, but yeah, you could put a little more effort in if you're gonna ask people to pay f- to see this again. And and the only other thing you're showing is a Stanley dedication, which is very nice. But we have seen you you can find Stanley dedications anywhere at these at this point. They're everywhere. Not that it wasn't very sweet of them, but uh, you can see that online. And then uh, and then a commercial for the movie that's coming out this week. So. Overall, I would say not worth seeing if you're going to see it for the content at the end. Worth it if you just want to see the movie again, haven't seen it in a while. Uh, it definitely was a great watch. Um, <clears throat> I don't know how much I should get into the actual movie. It's it's kind of late, uh, but, I, but diving in just a little bit. The biggest thing I noticed watching it again was, and maybe it's my own personal... <laughs> experiences I'm going through uh, that are making me see it this way. But I really noticed the theme, a theme developing. And I, and I haven't fully fleshed out what that theme is exactly. But I found of the original six Avengers, everyone really had an arc. Spoiler alert for the movie, because I'm going to spoil things. Hopefully you've seen it by now. Um, Nat, Nat uh, Black Widow gets the shaft. She really did not have an arc. Honestly, she had an interesting character growth from previous movies, I guess, with her being heartbroken and wanting so badly. She, she's just kind of one note in this movie. Um, she never really gets to develop. I, I kind of wish that her decision to sacrifice herself had a little more character mo- motion, I guess, like a little bit of development around it. Um, but instead, she's from the very beginning, she's killing herself to try to save the world and she's you know uh, seems to have uh, lost herself in the job and then in the end she just wants to continue losing herself she fully loses herself by dying for the job um which you know it was nice it, it, it's a consistent character um points but it, it, there's just no development there and that was kind of sad because everyone else in this movie the other the other five original avengers not everyone else, but the other five original Avengers in this movie, they really gave arcs to. And I found them mostly to be about sort of self-discovery. Um, Cap, uh, finds his, finds, um, finds a way to find a life for himself. I think in a way he kind of admits to himself that he has desires. He sort of stops being the sacrificial man. Um, he, he's been sacrificial his entire life and never stopped to live life himself. 
uh, and it, it, he just realizes he doesn't always have to make the sacrifice play. And then Iron Man is kind of the very opposite of that coin. Iron Man has always been this selfish playboy. He's he's done sacrificial things um, and very heroic things, but I, I think they were trying to drive that home when he goes to visit his father. His father says, you know, uh, I hope I have a girl because a boy would be more likely to be just like me. And he says, and what would be wrong with that? And his dad says, I just never let the greater good get above myself in the priority spectrum or whatever. I'm making those words up, but says something to that effect. And in the end, of course, uh, he sacrifices himself. He lets the greater good, uh, even though, uh, and there was, there was a line I hadn't really considered very strongly, but he, he, Earlier in the movie, he talks about his priorities. He says, we have to keep what we have. That's priority number one. Priority number two is we bring back what we lost, if we can, without losing what we have. And then number three is maybe try not to die. (laughs) Which, what I like about that is he clearly states his priorities. My priority is to keep what we have. I'm not losing the people that I love, my daughter. Secondly, I want to bring back everyone we lost. And I'm third priority is not dying, which means he stated in that sentence, I'm willing to die for this. And of course, there's the whatever it takes refrain throughout the movie that is sort of referencing the same idea. But I just thought that was an interesting, um, it seems like a matter of fact, sort of downloading of how he feels to Steve Rogers. But it's it's very much him saying, I'm ready to die for this. And I thought that was, I thought that was a special moment that I hadn't really caught before. Um, and I just think that's his arc in this movie. That's him fully deciding to be the sacrifice, um, deciding to sacrifice himself, uh, deciding he cares enough about the greater good to sacrifice himself. And that's, uh, it's really is. I just think, I feel like all these people went, go inside and, and have this self discovery. And I just think that's really cool. Hulk, um, learns to stop being at odds with himself. He learns to stop, you know, being Hulk and Banner fighting against each other and learns to sort of embrace who he is and embrace his sort of darker side that has its strengths. Um, and I, I think that's really powerful, really, really powerful. Um, because sometimes admitting who you are, um, is a huge step, like learning and admitting who you are is a huge step in finding a balance and a happiness. Um, and, and, and stopping hating the things about you that you can't necessarily change. I, I just loved it. I really liked that, that whole arc. Um, Thor comes to terms with the fact that he's a failure, but he's a failure because he's been trying to be something he's not. Again, it's very, that, that's, those are the two that really hit home with me is that Hulk and Thor are both kind of going through that same thing. They both are hitting up against failing, at trying to be the thing they think they're supposed to be. Banner thinks he's supposed to be a good scientist, but keeps Hulk raging out. Thor thinks he's supposed to be the perfect king of Asgard, but he keeps losing people, keeps losing more of his people. Um, and they both come to terms with kind of that failure. And what does that, what does that failure mean? And who are they really? Um, they're not, they're, they are not who they're supposed to be by sort of expectations. They've, had placed on them or have decided 
are important, but they end up being who they are. And I, I just really love that. Um, and Hawkeye and, uh, Natasha, I guess these two storylines, you really can't separate them. And so this is where Natasha, um, does have a little movement in her character, but it, it sucks because I think her movement in her character happens really before we ever see her. Not that she hasn't changed over time, but she's sort of always been the super spy that does what's necessary. And she's still that at the end. Um, whereas Hawkeye really goes to a dark place in this movie and he, he, he wants to die at on Voromir because he believes he's sort of unforgivable. And I, I can't, I, I loved that the reason, the reason she does what she does is to prove to him that he's worthy. He's worthy of forgiveness for the things he's done. And she says, we're not, the worst things we've ever done. That's not who we are. Who we are is not the worst things we've done. And, and she says that you didn't see that in me when, when, when I was, when I was a bad person, you saved me. You, you, you came to me and told me that isn't all that I was. I do really love that, that in her death, she does the, the valiant thing that she does is more for him. And I don't know, there's a lot of problematic things with her death. Like it's kind of a fridging, I don't know that term fridging of another woman character to build the male character up. Um, but in this case it, it does, it did feel earned because their relationship has felt pretty real for all these four or five movies. So anyway, that was my take on, uh, on these things. We've got a few more episodes coming like in the next couple days, we've been dropping episodes like crazy. Um, but we've got a few more coming because Spider-Man drops tomorrow I'm going to drop an episode solo, and then we're going to drop an episode together uh, the next day. So we'll be back with Spider-Man tomorrow. We are the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. Hit us up at mcucast.com, at mcucast on all the places uh, online. And you can uh, find me at the Orville Universe podcast, which is live now, and the Star Trek Universe podcast, which is also live now. And you can find my music. Just search Matthew Carroll wherever you get music. Until next time, true believers.